to exploring the relationship between our hair, our health, and our heritage. For my fourth season, I'm engaged in serious conversations about the politics of hair. And I'd love to invite you to listen in as we explore the significance of the rules around hair, the procedures that guide our daily behaviors related to hair, why this is so culturally important for us, and even some common myths around our hair and the politics of appearance. In this episode, we will discuss hair, government, tech, business, and hair politics. And I'll be having a special conversation with Ms. Lanye Ford. She's the founder and chief executive officer of Arlo Solutions, and she also works at the Pentagon. So let me tell you her bio. Lanye is the founder and chief executive officer at Arlo Solutions, a service-disabled veteran-owned minority small business offering a full range of innovative and cost-effective IT solutions designed to meet the demands of today's dynamic, mission-critical requirements. Ooh, girl, this is good. Arlo currently supports under Secretary of Defense, Intel, USD, the Air Force, Chief Information Security Office, and local DC government. Lanye brings over 15 years of experience in cybersecurity monitoring, detecting, investigating, analyzing, responding, and protecting systems from cybersecurity risk, threats, and vulnerabilities. She successfully builds key strategic business relationships, teaming agreements, and develops networks and collaborations across boundaries, finding common ground with a diverse range of affiliations. Her varied skill set allows her to adapt to fit in any environment and produce positive results. Lanye has a unique ability and passion to support and advise the C-suite level in all arena of cybersecurity to include policy, governance, and processes in support of the risk management framework. A motivator and champion, Lanye often shares her story with middle and high school students women empowerment events, and tech conferences, proving to be an example of where hard work and dedication will take you. Additionally, Lanye is a proud veteran that served her country in the United States Air Force. So welcome to the show. That was a mouthful. I'm just like, ooh, girl, you did a lot with your life. Well, let me Disney. tell you, uh, that <laughs> I, I'm amazed at the bio. So <laughs> thanks to my team for writing that. Okay, but okay. yeah, that did. That was uh, amazing. I, I'm, I'm surprised myself. You impressed with Exactly. Yourself. I'm okay. impressed. <laughs> well, I'm so mindful in reading your bio that there's so much more um, that wasn't included in there in terms of, we heard your career accomplishments, but I'm mindful that there's huge chunks of your story that could really help us get a better understanding of what led you to do this work. Um, just, I'd like to get a little bit more information on how you decided to enter tech, um, even enter the military. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Um, definitely. First, Thank you for inviting me to the podcast. This is my first, so um, have mercy on me. <laughs> so I am from Chicago, um, and I, I'm pretty 
transparent and upfront about my upbringing. So my upbringing was, I'm from Chicago, Chicago. Okay, so I'm Chicago, from the hood, okay. right? <laughs> and so this coming into the Air Force was really uh, was an escape for me. So it was an escape from my, you know, from, from poverty. It gave me an opportunity to take my career in life to the, to the next step. Now, of course, I was 19 when I came in, so it wasn't like I was some profound, let me build my career. It was just really the next step in my story. And so, um, thank God, I would, I would accredit the Air Force for really changing the trajectory of my life. So mm-hmm. when you say a proud veteran, it's like, I'm like, woo-woo, because I really am. Like, it, truly and honestly, I'm a very proud vet. Now, going into the military, I've talked about this before, but um, going into the military, because I was taken out of that initial environment and put in an environment of people that did not look like me, they did not speak like me, they, um, the skin color wasn't what this mm-hmm. wasn't the same. I was in tech, so at the time, you know, now it's a big tech boom and cybersecurity is sexy, but then it was literally all white men. Mm-hmm. And so I worked in an environment with all white men. It was one other woman, and I was the only black female there. So I was in a position where I felt, you know, insecure, not only about, you know, my skill set, but how I looked, mm-hmm. how I spoke, um, and I, honestly about my hair, right? So you don't think about those cultural differences until you are put in an environment where you are different. And so when we were, when I was in that environment, I began to conform. We were just, I was just talking about this the other day that conforming is the opposite of empowerment because you end up behaving and talking and moving, you know, how you think the world should see you, right? And so when you do that, that kind of takes little, little pieces from you, right? And so um, as I, as I can now, as I progress, so I, my, my first duty station was Italy. And let me even pause you. Uh-huh. What was that like? Because I'm thinking about this Chicago hood, hood experience <laughs> and going to Italy. Like, what was that like international travel like for the first time? You know what? Honestly, um, it was amazing. Even if, even for me saying, and I'll say this, even if I say I'm from the hood, I'm one of those people who've had an amazing life. Mm-hmm. Every moment, every journey, every issue, I have fun. Anyone that knows me though, that's just not, I'm just not talking. So I didn't even realize how bad off I was until I started looking back and analyzing, mm-hmm. right? So when I went to the, um, when I went to Italy, totally different environment. Chicago is very segregated. Mm-hmm. And I don't think a lot of people really realize that, but very segregated. Blacks are with blacks, whites are with white, Chinatown, you know, um, Jewish folks with Jewish folks. I mean, very segregated. So that was very different for me, the mix of different cultures and nationality. And so going to Italy, um, I mean, it was an eye-open experience. It was, I, I am, I am, so thankful and blessed that that was my first experience mm-hmm. to go to a to a different country and honestly when you go it's so different than being around white americans i think because italians they're just like oh my god and your hair is so beautiful and oh you know you're like <laughs> a goddess almost right mm-hmm. and so um it was absolutely beautiful the the um the mountains the um just the scenery i had never seen before the food that i've never tasted before mm-hmm. it was an amazing experience for me and I am one of those just get out and do it hardcore people. So when I got to Italy, I mean, I got a car. Everybody's like, this is crazy. You're 19 <laughs> with a car. I got a car and I would drive like to Germany and to, and this was before MapQuest and Google Map. It was literally, so, I would put on an atlas, open it up. I was like that little dot on a map. Just but did going. you ever get lost? No, I never got lost. Mm. 
Hmm. I never got lost. People would put wagers like, okay, in the military, call you by your last name. Let me see if Ford is going to make it to, you know, <laughs> to Germany. So it was an, it was an amazing experience hmm. for me. And I met some amazing people. It was my first time working around such a diverse group, of course, because I was 19. Mm-hmm. So, um, and, uh, and I accredit my, um, um, I would say esteem or self-esteem in the in my career field to to Italy because that was the time I had the opportunity to start building servers and opening mm. servers and you know looking at the network and looking at tool sets and they really empowered me to 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 do that so mm. amazing experience. Yeah, yeah, I'm just thinking about how that was the first stop on this journey to some degree and thinking about how you got to be exposed to other cultures but also see the world. Absolutely. Um, so you were, I'm just picturing this teenage version of yourself driving all around Europe. Girl, and the teenage version <laughs> of me was, is something to picture. <laughs> yeah, and just, and doing all this um, tech stuff that was new and innovative, mm-hmm. it sounds like, at that time, because I'm like, okay, there wasn't like MapQuest, it wasn't, okay. I'm just thinking about mm-hmm. what putting it in that timeline. So what did things look like after Italy? So that was the first stop, or I'm not sure if you have to tell me every step you went through, but yes. these significant moments in your career. So um, from it, I've, I've, I've been to, I've had a, a few different duty stations. Italy, I was in Texas, I was in Korea, mm-hmm. I did some time in Germany, and then I ended in um, Hampton, Virginia. So um, doing, I see that little head shake over there. But um, <laughs> I, you know, honestly, all of all of my duty stations, I loved equally because it, it brought, you know, it brought something. I learned something different, and I grew differently at each one. All of them were um, really a, a culture shock, right? Because really, of course, we know Korea will be a, a culture shock based off language and um, and their culture and personality. You know, it's just, it's different. Food, everything. Um, then going to San Antonio was a very uh, a high Spanish population. So um, I absolutely really enjoyed that. Even when I was in Italy, I took uh, Italian. Before I came into the military, I was taking Spanish. So uh, so I couldn't wait to get down to Texas. Like, hey, I'm going to be like, you know, hola, papi chulo. But really, I didn't use it much. <laughs> but um, from a work perspective um, and um, it, it really was really was a, a constant progression of what I did and so I started off kind of on, on a worker bee scale from an IT perspective doing mm-hmm. things like the help desk mm-hmm. and customer support and I, I think that's a great place to start for people who want to enter IT mm-hmm. and um, and I'll say this I always talk to people about their superpower my superpower really is people I'm really good. I like to serve people, Mm -hmm. right? Um, I like to serve people. I like to understand people. I like to speak to people. So really, I use that in every situation that Mm -hmm. I was in. So from going to a help desk, not understand tech, but understanding, okay, let me fix your problem because I was the help desk. So understanding when you call me at the help desk, I understand you are already irritated. Mm -hmm. So how do I calm you down? Like really understanding kind of soft skills. Yes, and so I think I used that throughout my career. So even when it was areas that may have been tough or difficult for me, from a technical perspective, I understand people. So I would say, hmm, let me scan the room. Who do I need to know? Who can help teach me this? Who do I need to be around to grow? And so I used that skill set until I, you know, continue to just kind of develop my uh, my technical and specifically cybersecurity uh, skills. Yeah, so how does one learn those skills? I'm just, I get frustrated just trying to 
figure out how to record a podcast. What what did that look like in terms of picking up these skills that not a lot of people have in general, but especially um, isn't always accessible to black women? Exactly. I think that being thrown into the fire help when you work when you start from a technical perspective you start at a place like the help desk mm-hmm. people it's a, it's very high paced and so you don't have a you don't have a chance but to learn mm-hmm. the air force is good or any I am very pro military but the air force is good because you get the opportunity to not only go to school or some form of training, but you're getting, you're getting on the job training, you're getting mm-hmm. experience. So when I came out of the military, I was already able to make, you know, six figures where my friends Dang. may have been still, <laughs> you know, because they don't have any experience. Yeah. Well, I can say not only do I have this degree, I've also been doing this, and I've been running a help desk, and I created this program. So the level of experience really came from being, you know, just forced into that environment. And then from a – from a the technical piece really wasn't my thing so much. So when I got over on the cybersecurity side, I am very um, – I'm very – at this point, I'm really strong at developing cybersecurity programs mm-hmm. And um, doing that that conversation or translation from a C-suite perspective down to implementers, and um, and and putting kind of policy and procedures and, and saying this is the statutory law and this is how we should implement the statutory law. So now because I came up that way, I can speak from executive level down to an implementer that's hands on keyboards because I can do that translation. So all the le- all the levels. Exactly. <laughs> okay. So then I'm wondering how you went in terms of transitioning from the military to owning and Mm -hmm. operating your own tech company and even entering the Pentagon. Yes. So, which this is, this is odd, and I'm not making this up because we're on a hair uh, podcast. (laughs) When I was in the military, I... You know, the military is very strict on how you have to wear your hair because your hair can't go further than your the bottom of your collar. So you're in a constant stage of having it in some form of a ponytail, a bun. Um, and at the time, it was an issue with um, wearing braids. Mm. Um, it was an issue with wearing kind of big curly hair because it looks like it's unkept because oh, they no. wanted to yes Don't they have my hair. so it's real it's lost <laughs> to how many inches your hair yeah. can be this way it, um, they felt like braids were um, faddish so you could not mm-hmm. wear any faddish hairstyles and so um, it, they start change now they have changed but they were starting to change once I got out but literally I had my hair I wanted my hair to, at the time Tony Braxton was hot right and so Tony <laughs> Braxton had this hair color it was a brownish blonde color and so prior to me coloring my hair I had to print this picture out, I showed it to my supervisor, I showed it to everyone kind of up my chain and say, hey, I want to get my hair like Tony Braxton, you know. Mm-hmm. Not that they knew who Tony Braxton was, but I want this is how I want my hair. They approved it. I got my hair like that. Though it was weave, it wasn't my, my own hair mm-hmm. um, color, but I got my hair colored that way, and it was a big issue. And they pulled me to the side, and they said, you have to, you know, you have to take your hair. You have to change your hair color. You cannot what? wear this. And I remember it was a, they call them the first shirt. I remember my, I telling my first shirt, and I was at maybe like nine years then, I said, I'm getting out of the military. Mm-hmm. And, he, and I remember him saying, you would get out of the military because of your hair. I said, it's so much 
much deeper than that that you can't even understand. Mm -hmm. Like, it's so much that you can take from a person, but I don't think a lot of other cultures really realize how we express ourselves mm -hmm. through our hair. And the older I get, I'm realizing that more, too. We're so connected to our hair. It, it really, I mean, it changes how you feel. It changes what you wear. We are very, hair is how we really express, one of the ways that we really express ourselves in our culture. And so taking that away from me at that point was just too much. The fact that I had to get it approved, and then when I did get it approved, it was like, oh, no, that doesn't work. And so um, I ended up, um, so that was, that was kind of one strike. And when I was in the military, um, I also did a lot of extracurricular things. I'm always, I promote now, so I promote in D.C., I promote clubs. And oh, venues. really? Yes. And so, and I've been doing that since I was <laughs> like 15. Exactly. <laughs> That's so why you my, have to have that Tony Braxton hair. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm out here promoting now. And so in every base I went to, I also promoted. Whether I was in Italy, I did bus trips down to Germany to see the Lost Boys. I just, that's a, that's a part of me, right? Mm -hmm. And so... Um, I would, I would do, like, I was responsible for, like, the they would have African-American heritage um, groups and events and working groups. And so I was responsible for doing this um, working group for, um, to, to raise funds. So I did, like, a big, um, what do you call it, a big fashion show mm -hmm. and did it totally different than they had done in the past and made the most money that they had ever made in the history of having this. They had typically make like 2000 I made like 20000 What? And yes. <laughs> and then for, they have organizations within your command that you have to raise money for. And let's say we were typically, you know, doing the same thing, maybe making two or 3000 They would do things like bake sales. You know, I was making like 15000 20000 So they tried to keep me. And so when I got was ready to get out the Air Force, I went to my command and said, hey, I want to get out. And they said, well, you could get out, but I want to see if you can go to the White House and do, he want, He said, you should be doing some form of an event. Like, can you do White House planning events? I said, okay, I'll try. And if it doesn't work, I'll get out. He allowed me to get out early. Mm -hmm. That's what I'll say. So I competed. I went, I was the finalist, but long story short, I didn't make it, which, mm -hmm. you know, thank God, because that's part of my story of getting out. So once I got out, I, um, didn't think I wanted to be involved in IT, so I really wanted to do, like, fashion or something different, <laughs> womp womp. And so when I went, I was going to Chicago, I did all these interviews, and I wanted to be, I wanted to be, like, general manager of a major department store. Mm -hmm. And I don't think people, because I, I knew even their bonuses sometimes were 100000 right? And so I went, I interviewed, I ended up being becoming a, the, um, the general manager for Sears. Well, I was the, the second in charge. I was a general manager. I was assistant general manager mm -hmm. for Sears in Chicago. Huge, like a hundred thousand square feet location. Mm -hmm. So went there. I did and did a, 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 an amazing job there. But go back to again to a culture type of shock. Um, not for me, but I think the people that I managed because the majority of these folks have probably been in retail for a very long time, mm -hmm. and I went into a majority kind of white population where mm -hmm. my Sears was. And so it was a lot to gain respect of these people, even to the customers. Like the customers, mm -hmm. like, hey, let me see the manager. And I'm like, oh, that's, that's, that will be me, you know? Mm -hmm. And so um, that was a, a, a different experience. Um, then from there, I went to banking. This I did all this in six months time frame. So I was like, huh, let me see. I, I captured okay, let me go over here and you try banking. You went to banking and I really coming from the military, the military is very mission oriented and is about um it's it's about serving. When you get out into 
the um, industry. It's about making money. Mm -hmm. And so I really didn't understand that concept until I started mm -hmm. working. So that was difficult for me. I didn't really like to do things that I didn't think that wasn't ethical or um, that I wasn't passionate about just to make a buck. And so mm -hmm. when I went to banking, that was an eye-open experience for me too because I didn't even, I guess just young and not realizing, really banking really is about sales. It really is, even if you're inside the bank. And so that turned me off. Long story short, I did that for like three months. And then I um, I interviewed. I went on Indeed and tried to get some jobs in D.C. I mean, within a couple of weeks, I had people flying me to D.C. for interviews. And when I was in Chicago, I tried to get IT jobs. And you can tell when I walked in, they... Um, they were not accepting of how I look or dress. You can tell when they saw me. When I went to D.C., I'm like, this is Chocolate City for real. Because it was people that was interviewing me that had dreads. I'm like, oh, wait a minute. What is this? And so that was my transition into working in the industry versus the military. So when I got to D.C., I ended up doing, I was still doing IT work, and I also was promoting. And I want one of my partners in the D.C. area, Taz, I met him, and we were promoting together. And he kept saying, you know, I want you to meet my wife. I think, you know, I want you to meet my wife. I had enough friends. I'm like, I'm not thinking about meeting your <laughs> wife, right? And so just so happened, um, the, the way the stars align, his wife and I end up working in the promoting side together. And so we, um, as we work, we start talking about, hey, about starting a company. We really just clicked, right? So we talked about starting a company. Like, well, what do you do? Well, what do you do? We both do marketing, and I do IT. And she said, oh, I know someone who has this IT company, mm -hmm. right? I said, okay, cool. Well, let's try it. And which is so crazy. We had this idea at a pool in Miami. We got back two days later, and one of her friends was meeting with a guy who does IT. They were eating at, they were eating at Rosa Mexicana. Mm -hmm. And she said, girl, you know, this guy, he's at Rosa Mexicana. He's the one to have the IT. Now, imagine, I don't have, and, and this is to the folks that's listening, not a business plan, no funding. No, I'm just like, I am a counter. Let's try it. Get out there and do it. And so, literally, we rolled up in Rosa Mexicana, like, hey, you know, I'm a veteran and I want an IT company. And so, um, and really, the rest is history from mm -hmm. there. Arlene and I, my partner name is Arlene. That's what Arlo is. She's the R, I'm the low. And so, <laughs> and so since then, really, the, re the rest is history. But it goes back again to understanding what your superpower is, is people. So I, I didn't know what I was going to say. But I knew when I got in front of that man, I was going to say something. And I was going to get, I knew what my intent was, right? And so, um, and I think being exposed to you know, that exposure, that black man that owns this IT company mm -hmm. that's, you know, making $50 million a year, that exposure mm -hmm. opened my eyes to possibilities that I had not even considered. I was thinking, oh, I want to go do retail because I might get a $100,000 bonus, <laughs> you know? And I'm like, so the exposure is so, is so important. And so um, really from there, we just grew and we really went hard knock life. We went to all the free SBA, like, seminars. We went to, we Googled, we made hella mistakes oh did we make hella mistakes we made some expensive <laughs> mistakes but even to this day we made we make expense we just made a, a forty thousand dollar mistake but you know the thing of it is is you when you go through that you know what is your reaction to it you're gonna have issues you're gonna fall you're gonna make mistakes but how do you come out on top is what really kind of 
makes you a, a business owner, a CEO, anyone can have that name. And so we use all those things as learning lessons. And that's really just how we got here. We didn't really have any formal training on how to start a government contract. I didn't even really understand government contracting. I didn't know what it meant. I didn't know how to write to a proposal. And so we just, you know, went out there and tried. Hmm. Okay, this, this story is complex, but I think what's linking all of it, you are someone who's very connected to their environment and kind of can really connect through people mm-hmm. um, with these different spaces to learn and grow and develop skills. And also, I think a key element of your story is having confidence. Mm-hmm. I think that you could envision yourself doing these things and were very clear about your goals. Um, I'm also thinking about how much the military served as this backdrop Absolutely. Um, for building mm-hmm. your self-confidence mm-hmm. and concept. Yeah, while you were talking, I was really, of course, focusing on the hair part um, and thinking how much um, you really drew a line mm-hmm. about how much they could control the way that you look and mm-hmm. your identity. Um, I'm also thinking about lots of different cultures around the African continent where warriors in particular um, are allowed to wear certain hairstyles Mm -hmm. and other people can't. Um, Oftentimes to be initiated into the fighting class, you you get your hair shaved or grow locks. It's usually one or the other to show that you're different Mm -hmm. from the other people. And so I'm thinking about how the rituals of the military, hair and not hair related, have really um, initiated you into this class of um, business owner, uh, promoter, Mm -hmm. (laughs) explorer, and um, really being open to confronting fears. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm really hearing, too, about how you cope with mistakes and how critical, again, your past was and to be able to move through and forward Mm -hmm. through that. Because I think people get stuck. Yeah. Um, they get stuck in some of their conflicts, mm-hmm. get stuck in some of their losses, but it sounds like that fuels you in some mm-hmm. some ways. Like, I'm not going to do that again. Exactly. It did. Mm-hmm. And I want to go, I think I, I love the, uh, the warrior story. Because you know what? Though a lot of times when we speak of hair, we may be talking about folks in different culture. What you also realize um, is the difference between um, within our culture and the different hairstyles mm-hmm. that we wear and the perception that people have mm-hmm. of you. I am typically weave wearing down to my butt, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I typically that's what I do. I might wear a curly weave. I am a weave wearer. Not Tell me in why. a you know what? I've I've been wearing weave. People have probably seen my weave a lot more than they've seen my hair. I don't. Mm. I have been wearing weave almost all of my life. Almost, weave is almost a part of me. Mm. It's like parting with weave is. Whew. I mean, I can't do it for a day. I really want to go to the shop and let them take my weave out before they put it in. I don't even like to take my weave out prior to going. That's how connected I am mm. to weave. But it's you know it's funny how we look at the difference between and I'm and I'm putting myself in this category as well of women that wear black women that wore natural hair versus women that wear weave right. Mm. And I'm always thinking initially I will always think oh this you know this old natural you know black you know you just thinking that they are very just because they wear their natural hair it's a certain view 
that you it's a certain type of personality mm-hmm. you put to them you're not thinking and I this may be crazy but I'm not thinking about a club cursing party it's like oh she had natural hair she's going to you know spoken word she, exactly <laughs> she's spoke, that's exactly she's not eating meat she's you know she's vegan she only eats vegetables she's going to spoken word you know and that's how you think and you it's you all you you really segment those people I don't care if it's at work or in a personal mm-hmm. and I think the same is true for folks with natural hair looking at you know us with you know mm-hmm. weaves and so I think that was until recently and, and and I don't really think I really understood that until recently and I mean recently in the last few years because I do think the power of um like I said, exposure is so important. And what I mean exposure in this point, I mean what we see on TV. Mm-hmm. What now that we have things like Netflix, you know, that other folks, other cultures are controlling the network mm-hmm. so much. You get to see different type of people. You get to see different type of black people when you have things like the YouTube and you can look. It really does expose you to all different type of people, even within your own community. Because mm-hmm. honestly, even within our culture, we still segment ourselves. Okay. I still was around people for the most part that somewhat look like me, act like me, right? And so I think that that um, that exposure and, and that, that analogies you gave to the to type of different class, like one may, okay, you, you cut your hair bald, you're ready for this, mm-hmm. or different classes are um, have the privilege or the right to wear specific hairstyles. Mm-hmm. I think that holds true with our culture here mm-hmm. in America as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm really struck by how much your experience mirrors what the research says. Um, there's a lot of research saying that women who wear their natural hair to work or have short hair even are seen as less professional. Absolutely. And that women with straight hair and longer hair, particularly black women, tend to advance more in Absolutely. business. And so that you're really making truth. me, th- yeah, you're making me think about this uniform or the uniformity that's um, expected or the ideals or standards that are set by the business world. No. Now, I'm curious. All right, you got braids right now. Oh, it was a struggle. <laughs> this was a struggle. So, so you me. got you got even got some tribal <laughs> patterns in there in terms of the middle braids. You got yes. side braids, middle braids. So I am curious, what led you to the decision to wear braids right now, and how have people been reacting to this change in appearance? First, the struggle was real, <laughs> right? And so I think what we just talked about exposure. I think that helped me. Um, so I have to say, man, big shout out to these women that were bold enough and strong enough to wear their natural hair in the workplace. Mm-hmm. Because I think that did kind of, you know, put a pathway for me to feel more comfortable. And at the and for me, the difficult part now is I am, I think we talked about at the C-suite level. So a lot of what I do is I'm speaking to CIOs and CEOs of major organizations or of you know the air force that's huge and so and these are all the folks that let me speak to you prior to you going to congress and help you making these decisions so when you and the majority of those folks do not look like us Mm -hmm. um but there is things are starting to change and that is very comforting and i think it kind of allows you the um, the, it allows you the flexibility to do things that you wouldn't in the past because now you may see an executive, uh, a black female executive, right? Mm-hmm. And so we, I didn't see that in the past coming up. Never. Not in IT. Mm-hmm. Never. It was, and I mean never. And so I think now that we have those, that, that helps. 
because it's more relatable and you know that maybe you're you're the person you support is not necessarily looking down on you because they somewhat look like you right so I think you know us continuing to get into these positions is very important for the folks for the females that's coming after us being you know feeling empowered um, and honestly I was thinking about getting these braids this is a crazy story and I was talking to two people at my uh, where I was working at in the Pentagon one is a, a, a white lady and the other is a white guy and I said, you know, I was thinking of getting these braids, but I feel so self-conscious. And I'm talking about this was, we're referring to something that happened six months ago. So I, I'm just wearing braids for the first time in six, mm-hmm. this last six months, all of my life, wow. right? Because I felt mm-hmm. uncomfortable in a working environment. And now working at the Pentagon at the level I am, I really felt uncomfortable. And so I, I was talking to them about, and I said, I really want to get braids. I really want to try it. And um, and I was explaining to them that I'm uncomfortable. And, 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 and the white guy was like, you know what, I understand. I said, if I wasn't doing business development for my company, I wouldn't feel so uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Because you're doing business development, I have to sit in front of someone and sell something. I have mm-hmm. to sell my expertise. I have to sell my company. And a lot of times that someone you're sitting in front of may not look like you. Mm-hmm. And people truly, not even from a prejudice standpoint, people are truly more comfortable with people that, that look like them, mm-hmm. right? And so, and it's natural. And so, um, and so he said, you know, I totally understand that. And I remember something she said. She said, and, and it was so true. She said, well, you walking in there, you a woman, you black, you got weaved down to your ass. I'm going to say exactly <laughs> what she said. She said, and, and, and she was like, so do you think because you have long weave, it makes you, it, 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 it makes you less black? She was like, so I'm, and this is a white girl. She's like, I'm confused. She was like, if you, why, why try to assimilate? If you, you a black woman, peers, nothing you can do about that. You know, live in it. And I said, you're right. The next day I got braids in my hair. <laughs> so that was like the turning point. And, and honestly, you have to think about it really psychologically. You know, I still, I analyze everything too much, <laughs> but I still needed confirmation yeah. from somebody outside of my culture mm-hmm. prior to me getting braids, you know. And so, um, and I recognize that too. But since I got my braids, I remember the first day walking into the Pentagon. Girl, when I tell you, I felt like Queen Sheba. <laughs> I was walking in there. I felt so, I don't I know it's crazy, but something about it felt so liberating. And I, that's why it lets me know we are so connected to our hair. I mean, I felt so liberated, like amazing. And I was actually pretty surprised on how... Um, people of different cultures seem to be more attracted to the look than even my previous, you know, <laughs> weave or long hair, right? And so I think we have all these preconceived notions that we kind of put in in, in our um, that we that we put on levy on ourselves, mm-hmm. right? So um, and and I haven't changed my hair from braids since I started wearing them. I absolutely love it, and the maintenance is like crazy. You don't have to <laughs> get up and deal with all that mess. So. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, yeah. this is really interesting in terms of how free you've been feeling with this choice to wear your hair in a braided style. It really does make me think mm-hmm. about the ancestors and all this in terms of this was the way that we wore our hair um, pre-enslavement. And even during slavery, we would actually braid maps into our hair to find freedom. So when you said you walked into the Pentagon or in these spaces and felt free, it made me think about how powerful hairstyles are wow. in connecting us to this sense of freedom and identity. 
I think what people that are responding deep. to is okay. Thank that you. Was, <laughs> I mean, that was really deep. I've never heard that, but you're right. The court, you don't know sometimes why you feel what you feel yeah. or where you got this sense of, you know, empowerment. But mm-hmm. listening to that, you know, just the concept of wow, braiding maps into their hair and, you know, to get to freedom is, I mean, that's deep. Yeah, it's interesting because I'm imagining you always had braids under the weave. Exactly. Uh, and so just to even think about But braids some, more in a uh, set it off Queen Latifah type of look. Well, depending on the weave, some people have like the most intricate braided true, styles under true, there. And it's absolutely. always interesting in terms of like the the creativity that even is underneath the weave mm-hmm. and, the, and the weave itself. Because, you know, we always want to look good. And, like, exactly. But I'm thinking about how um, there was this shift in consciousness that you had in terms of the self-awareness that you can look like how you want to look. Yes. Look like other black people look. Yes. Um, and even still be you. Exactly. I guess I'm thinking about that intervention because it sounds like she had an intervention with you um, to really speak to how you're always going to be black. Exactly. <laughs> That's not going to change. And basically that you do have choice and options to express yourself. And it sounds like you always have had it in terms of the party scene versus the military, that you had mm-hmm. flexibility in your appearance um, and still always look good mm-hmm. in terms of times sort of shifting what looking good is. And it sounds like right now, you know that this looks good, the braids look good, and this is how you like looking. Exactly. And I think, but to both sides, I like looking like this for a period of time. <laughs> I still prefer yeah. my weave. I still like weave. I still, so I think from us, from a cultural standpoint in general, because, you know, I hear people say things like, you know, you're trying to change the way your appearance to fit into this culture or this look, and that may be true in some aspects or a comfort level, but honestly, I still like how I look mm-hmm. with that, and I want mm-hmm. us to understand as a culture from you know you know you wearing some some person wearing natural hair and um, um, eating figs you know I mean yes kale. <laughs> kale, kale okay kale kale <laughs> <laughs> Um, is the same level of blackness to the girl that has weaved down to her hair eating wings. Mm -hmm. I mean, so I think that from a cultural perspective in general, not only just, you know, other cultures, but we have to realize there's no difference in our blackness or how we look or I'm more connected to the struggle because I have an afro. No, I could be connected to the struggle with weave as well, and it's what I prefer. And so um, I think... When um, when Tia actually mentioned doing this, I, I said, you know, this is pretty an amazing concept, though we don't necessarily put it into words, but mm-hmm. you feel it. Mm-hmm. You know, you feel how you're connected mm-hmm. to your hair. And so, you, I mean, it's a, like a for real, like a physical feeling you feel. Mm-hmm. And anyone can say, when you finish getting your hair done, I don't care if you are <laughs> if you are a CEO or if you are a sweeper. Something happens when you finish getting your hair done and you look into that mirror, no matter what style, your whole posture change. You know, the way you speak change, the way everything is like it's 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 a it's a uh, an emotional feeling and like a total body like experience. <laughs> I know that I'm making it sound extra deep, but really no, it, I believe it, it that. Is. This, this is what I love and so I'm happy that you can see that connection too. 
Um, so this this was very exciting. I feel Good. like I learned all types of. Te- I never heard of C suite before. You gotta teach me more about these terms. <laughs> but I do want us to sort of follow up in terms of some of the projects that you would like people to know about, or even words of advice for people entering this field. Mm-hmm. Um, I just kind of want you to give listeners a closing message or thought about how they can grow their businesses, how they can be themselves in those spaces. Okay. Um, I, I have to say as a PSA, one thing I will say is those folks and those listeners that have young adults that are really struggling on their next step, please keep the military as an option. Um, I think that that option falls through the cracks or um, folks don't 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 typically think that the smartest people go to the military. And so I, I, I really want to drive that home that really the military did change the trajectory of my life. Mm-hmm. And so um, I'm, I'm, I'm very passionate about that. Uh, secondly, I would say really and truly think about what your superpower is mm-hmm. because your superpower can be used in any career field in any situation, right? If you are a good listener, you are a good listener as an administrative assistant, you are a good listener as uh, a techie, you are a good listener as a nurse, you are a good listener as a psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. And so those things are, you know, they transcend kind of a certain, mm-hmm. uh, a specific career type. So I would I would say to that, really think about what your superpower is and use that into the career that you want to want to be in and you know the Nike slogan just do it you don't have to have the perfect plan you don't have to have the perfect situation you don't have to me just go out there and just do it because you just fail forward as they say so as you fail just keep just fail forward learn from it keep going fail forward learn from it fail again learn from it and then you're going to get to where you're supposed to be and so really just um just just keep trying and and and, um don't waste time get out there and do it now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really appreciate that that message in terms of when I look at black history, some of our great leaders actually were in the military and brought these skills that they learned in the military back to the black community. From even we don't even think about this, but even like Harriet Tubman was in the military involved yeah. in like the Civil War and bringing those skill sets and matching them. Or even people who were in the Black Panther Party were Absolutely. originally in the military, learned how to protect their communities yeah. from their military experience. So I'm just thinking about how deep that message is in terms of thinking about opportunities to really grow your existing skills it is and Mm -hmm. and while you're growing your skills just really you know focus on being your authentic self Mm -hmm. the the when you're going to be successful is being your authentic self i'll give an example that i did my first like briefing in front of a huge crowd and and the person who asked me to do this briefing is an it it's a tech type of briefing but the person who asked me to do this briefing had a lot of interpersonal type conversations with me and he said okay i want you to brief this tomorrow mm-hmm. so i went and briefed and i stood there and i said well hello my name is Lonnie ford and i tried to because my audience did not look like me so i tried to assimilate right and so i start speaking trying to speak properly or what I consider to be proper and stand in a certain way and I remember when I finished the briefing the guy who who asked me to do it said that was horrible <laughs> oh, he, he said that was absolutely horrible he said I asked you to do this because of your conversational skills mm-hmm. and you got up there and you were not being yourself you were not being authentic mm-hmm. 
You know, so how are you going to get your point across if you show, you're standing there trying to pretend to be something? You're going to miss, you know, you're going to miss what your message is. Mm-hmm. Be your authentic self. So that's what I say to, that, that's the parting message I would yeah. leave with people. Really be your authentic self in, in whatever situation that you're in because that's really how you're going to gain uh, respect. That's how you're going to gain an audience that is there for you. And if you if you're being your authentic self and it doesn't really hit with someone, then that's okay. Yeah. Right? So just be your authentic self and get out there and do it. All right. All right. I, I got to be my authentic self. Thank you so much. Thank you for, for having being me. on my podcast. But of course, I'm, I'm sure people have questions for you and want to follow up on your business. How can people contact you, connect with you? So you can find me. I am on LinkedIn under Lange Ford. Um, I also, I just started a Twitter page okay. so, uh, under my name too, but it may not have any tweets. I'm not sure, but the best <laughs> way is LinkedIn. Also, our website um, for our business, myself and Arlene is Arlo, is um, arlo-solutionsplural.com. So you can also reach out that way. We have a contact form. So um, reach out, uh, take a look around the website and, and, and hit me up on LinkedIn. Okay. And as always, you can follow the latest psychotherapy information through our website, psychotherapy.org, and Instagram handle at psychotherapy. And of course, if you love this podcast and got all these stories that will change your life to be yourself, please share with people who you think would benefit. And so in closing, let's remember that a path to healthy hair is having strong roots. Thank you so much. Oh, I love it. I need some strong roots.